The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It's the Week 12 Recap Show, starting late, thanks to uh, young man Jordan Love. We'll get to that topic in just a minute. He came in and threw a touchdown pass and extended that game when the Eagles were trying to snuff it out. Joining me to break down Week 12, John Breach and Ryan Wilson, who I will ask how they're doing after I tell you that since we don't make Ryan Wilson work enough as it is, on the Pick 6 podcast with his HQ hits, with his writing. We decided to give him a brand new show of his own. With the first pick is the new NFL Draft Pod hosted by Wilson and longtime NFL GM Rick Spielman. You can watch episodes here on the Pick 6 YouTube channel or by searching with the first pick on any podcast platform. If you guys, listeners, viewers on YouTube, youtube.com slash pick six, if you guys support the pod, you support Ryan Wilson. You should do right now. Go search for that on your on your platform, your Spotify, or your your bleh, your podcast platform on your phone. Subscribe to it uh, and help support Wilson. It'll be a great show. Rick Spielman knows his stuff, and Ryan Wilson is an organized and uh, earnest junior draft analyst. That's pretty cool, man. I'll take it. What's up, fellas? Very kind of you to say, Brinson. Breach, I was actually going to, I thought Brinson was going to say what's up, and I was going to actually toot my own horn, so I didn't have to. What are you going to say? Yeah, I thought that also, uh, but I think I'd like to announce that Wilson, since he now has his own podcast, has been promoted from junior draft analyst to senior draft analyst. I have a hat I'm going to send you, and a shirt, and a sock. Just, but, just one, but just one sock. Okay, I have to earn the other sock. What happened to the other sock? Well, yeah, we've got to, he's got yeah, to get through the draft and we've got to see how it goes. Um, maybe we should hold off the air horns on the Sunday night recap pod. <laughs> Why's that? Ah, that's a lot. Oh, was it maybe we were we air horning? Um, uh, were we air horning Wilson's I celebration? I don't know. Whatever. Let's get to the, we got a lot of games to cover. Let's get to them. Uh, by the way, Sunday is the first time in NFL history that four teams won after trailing by seven plus points in the final two minutes of regulation. The Browns came back to beat the Bucks. Jags beat the Ravens, Chargers beat the Cardinals, and the Raiders beat the Seahawks. It's also the only time in the last 40 years that three teams won after trailing by seven points in the final one minute of regulation. Browns, Jaguars, and Chargers. Just wild stuff. Um, were you about to say something, Breach? You want me to move on to the Patriots? I'm getting ready to talk, man. Yep. Packers and Eagles will go there first. Uh, I think Tom Pelissero had a great tweet pointing out that almost 15 years to the day, on November 29th, 2007, 
Aaron Rodgers replaced an injured Brett Favre in Dallas and set the stage for the transition after the season. And Jordan Love replaced Aaron Rodgers, an injured Aaron Rodgers, who suffered a rib injury and appeared on the first drive of the second half, already dealing with a broken thumb, went to the locker room, took off his jersey. Jordan Love comes in, and look, I don't think you can definitely say Wilson. Uh, you know, we The scouting report on, on Jordan Love was certainly one that uh, a project who needed time to develop, but with a lot of upside. Um, and I don't think you can definitively say anything based on his performance in the final, you know, whatever it was against Philly on, on Sunday night. But the dude looked really sharp. And, and I don't want to bury the lead because the Eagles ran for 300-plus yards. But, I mean, the Jordan Love Aaron Rodgers thing is going to be a talking point, the talking point for the next uh, probably five days, right? Yeah, if not longer. So, Joe Musso, who frequents the chat after Sunday night's, and as an anchor, CBS Sports SQ, just asked this question to, to me and Brian McFadden. Um, do you move, put Aaron Rodgers on the old bench and go with Jordan Love from here on out? You have an out, and Brinson likes to have an out, and the out is the injury. But even if he's healthy, Aaron Rodgers ain't playing next year. Let's be honest. I, I can't envision a situation where he wants to come back to this organization where it is a rebuild. You can call it a tiny rebuild or a medium or a big rebuild, but this is not a good football team. They're currently behind the... The Lions in the division, they're barely ahead of the of the Chicago Bears, and that's only because Trevor Simeon had to play today. I'm rolling with Jordan Love. He's in year three. He's got another year on his deal before you have to decide about the fifth-year option. See what you, you have. Decide this offseason. Well, there you go. So yeah. see what you have sooner rather than later. And to your point, Brinson, and Aaron Rodgers, you know, according to Tariko and, and Collinsworth, admitted that Jordan Love has looked a ton better this year compared to his rookie season. Um, or last year, he's in year three, in terms of training camp uh, throughout the season. He's getting on the first team reps on Wednesday because Aaron's been sitting out with a thumb injury, and he was dealing. It was only two series. He made a ton of great throws in those two series, including a touchdown pass for, admittedly, Christian Watson did the heavy lifting. Um, but what do you have to lose other than making Aaron Rodgers mad? And Aaron Rodgers, I would imagine, breach is probably, I would put it at 5.5% that he returns next year. Uh, I don't think this would make Aaron Rodgers mad. I know we talked about it a week or two ago <laughs> that it would, but that was before Aaron Rodgers kind of started setting the table for this by saying, going on the Pat McAfee show and saying, oh yeah, guys, I have a broken thumb. I'm playing football with a freaking broken thumb on my throwing hand. Uh, that's difficult for a quarterback. And so that felt like it was him saying, all right, well, when we're kind of out of this. I'm, I might go to the bench here. And then when you toss this injury in there, I will be shocked if he plays another game this season because there's no reason to risk further injury. The Packers need to know what they have in Jordan Love before they have to pick up this fifth-year option in six months. Uh, so it just feels like this is the transition. It has started. You're 4-8. and eight. You're not going to send Aaron Rodgers to get out there to get beat up every week when he's not playing for anything. Uh, yeah, so I think that this was the baton, the torch, whatever you want to call it. Something's being passed to Jordan Love here. Jeez, well, well I, I, <laughs> the block of, a block of Gouda cheese. Um, I think it's uh, possible, excuse me, that um, Aaron Rodgers, the, the out that you mentioned, Wilson, I mean, you have really you have two injuries and you have a team that is now uh, the, the 11th seed in the NFC, four and eight. I mean, it's over, right? I mean, you, you have to, there's a lot of leapfrogging you have to do to get there. Now, where it would get awkward is if they ran the table with Jordan Love. And even then, I, I'm still not sure that that would even matter. The point being is that, you have three three outs you can utilize here. You have the broken thumb, which really they should have utilized several weeks ago. You have this rib injury, and you have the fact that your team is out of the, out of the playoffs essentially. So, 
sit Aaron Rodgers, let Jordan Love play, and then after this season, reass- you pick up the Jordan Love's fifth-year option, obviously, unless he's just complete dog crap, and, and then you reassess and, and discuss with Aaron Rodgers what he wants to do and what Jordan Love wants to do. Because you don't – Aaron Rodgers won the last two MVPs before this season. I mean, he's he's still playing at a high level. I do think the thumb injury matters. I also think, to Breach's point, he came out and, you know, when this – it is setting the table when you're like – he you finally start mentioning the injury. Like, you see with Stafford, it's like, you know, fighting through his shoulder. It's like, you know, or whatever it was. Like That's when these guys are looking to shut it down. The team is leaking this information out there because they want, they know what they might do. And – the other thing it does, if you play Jordan Love and he plays really well and Rodgers wants to keep playing and you're worried about the contract thing, you can trade Jordan Love and potentially get something good in return. I'm not saying you should do that. I'm just saying that you play Jordan Love now for the rest of the season and see how he does and then reassess after the season. I think I think your percentage chances on Rodgers playing again is um, – I, I think your your thought process is fine. I think the percentage chance is way, way, way too low. I mean, I, well, What do you think it is? Uh, I would say it's like 60-40 he plays next year. Why would he want to play for this football team? Because he wants to win the Super Bowl. Okay, again, why would he he want to play for this football team? He can't play for another football team. But they're not winning the Super Bowl next year. Well, if he wants to play, he can't play for another another team. That's why I think he's going to retire. Okay. I mean, I think... think And as we mentioned, I don't know if it was last week or the week before that, if Rodgers did retire, uh, the Packers would be taking a $40.3 million dead cap hit according to spot track i i and i do believe that if he were to play in 2023 and then retire after that that the dead cap hit would be substantially lower for when he retires so i think that's just something to consider again maybe he doesn't want to play anymore i think he'll play at least one more year i would be surprised if he retires you know i don't think the packers will push him out of retirement and they, they can't cut him they can't trade him because of his contract so but but I think there's no question that you should play Jordan Love the rest of the season and sit a very clearly injured and ineffective Aaron Rodgers rather than like leaving him out there to just get blasted over and over. So one last thing, and we'll talk about the uh, the team that actually won. So let's say Jordan Love balls out, balls out in a way where you're like, okay, this guy is an NFL starter, and then Aaron Rodgers wants to start. Are you right back at square one? You are probably giving the starting job to Aaron Rodgers unless he looks terrible in training camp. I mean, let's not act like he is. I mean, he he hasn't been good this year. Don't get me wrong. But he won the last two MVPs and they went 13. I don't don't care about that. He's 39 and he's got one year left. Maybe he's got a broken thumb on his throwing hand. But my point is that even if he comes back next year and he's 100%, that's you only get in one year Aaron Rodgers after that. He's not going to play for four yes, more years. And then, and then he will probably walk away. And then you'll have Jordan Love in, his, in your fifth year option. I mean, that's so. I mean, if, 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 if Jordan Love plays as well as you think he can be an NFL starter, then you're the pick actually ended up being pretty good. And the transition worked out well, even if you didn't win a Super Bowl. It's eerily reminiscent of Farvin Rodgers, honestly. Mm, no. The pick didn't work out well because you get him for his fifth year option, and you only have one year. Then you got to sign him to a huge deal. Well, you have two franchise tags, and then you can work out a, a deal. All right, I don't think he's going to play next year, but you okay. think he is going to play. Breach, where are you? And then let's talk about the Eagles. Uh, I would lean fifty two forty eight that Aaron Rodgers plays next season. Wow, you guys are what I like to call. I mean, crazy. you're at five point five ninety four point five that he doesn't play. That's pretty. But this team is going to win. You know, I they could win twelve games next year. They feel like they're closer to to five or six wins. Next year, five yeah. or six. That's that's okay. That's a pretty pessimistic view of a 
Packers team. With what have you seen this year that makes you feel good about the, the roster? Like who's I mean, coming? Aaron Rodgers without a broken hand would make me feel a lot better. The defense needs to be improved, but okay. All right, let's talk about the Eagles because they gave up the defense. They got to fire Joe Barry and bring in somebody else because the Eagles, Eagles ran for an an outrageous. They had 500 total yards in this game, averaged 6.3 yards per play. Packers actually averaged seven, which is kind of crazy. They ran for 363 <laughs> yards on 49 carries, an average of 7.4 yards per carry. The most rush yards in a game in Eagles history. So second most rush yards in a game in Eagles history, excuse me, behind only the 1948 Eagles against uh, the Washington, whatever they were called then, the, the foosball team. Um, the Eagles, excuse me, yes, the Eagles had the most rushing yards given up by the Packers since 1978 in the first 300-yard rushing game by the Eagles since their season opener in 2000. Uh, this was absolute domination by the Eagles offensive line. Jalen Hurts ran for 157 yards on 17 carries. He had 120 in the like late, like early in the second quarter. And Miles Sanders uh, ran it 21 times for 143 yards and two touchdowns. Kenneth Gainwell got on the act too. Just a, a total domination on the ground by the Eagles and a really impressive game plan by Philadelphia after two kind of shaky starts. I know the end of the score ended up 40 to 33, ended up being close. Uh, Philly covered the final six and a half, but um, I mean, that was a, that was a domination by them on the ground. I never thought this, this game was never as close as seven points. They were up 13, nothing and 13, seven. Then they went for it on um, fourth and, and short third and one and fourth and one and came up short both times. And then the Eagles came back and uh, excuse me, the, the um, Packers came back and actually took the lead 14, 13, but breach, this feels like sort of like 1991 football where you have a triple option quarterback, like college football, not even NFL. And there are no answers because he's the best athlete on the field. It's almost like Earl Campbell's your quarterback who can also throw the ball really well. And, you know, we talked about the last three games, the Colts game, they won by one point, the Cowboys game, they lost the Houston game. They struggled in that game and didn't look themselves, but they did win the game before that is when they blew the doors off the Steelers and A.J. Brown was pointing at people because he was abusing them so bad. And my question is, it feels like if you find a way to stop Jalen Hurst, the runner, there's a backup plan. And the backup plan is also yeah. a huge problem because you don't have enough uh, defensive weapons to, to slow down the either-or proposition that this offense provides. You're muted. Oh, God, Lee. Come on, Wilson. Get the go, back, go back to the early 90s or, or late 90s, early 2000s, and you had teams... They started running, especially in college. You run these spread offenses. You have five wide, and defenses weren't equipped to deal with that. So you started recruiting more athletic uh, guys who could cover these running backs that were going to be lining up in the slot or running routes. And so, you know, obviously we're in this completely pass-happy uh, era right now in the NFL. And so teams have been built to stop the pass. And then you have the Eagles coming back and playing this throwback football and I mean, what they did to the Packers, there was literally nothing the Packers could do to stop them. When it was 37 or 34 to 20, it was if Green Bay wants to have any chance to come back, they have to stop this team. And they couldn't. I mean, you look at what the Eagles are doing and they just have so many weapons. It's like if you do stop Jalen Hurts, well, there's Miles Sanders, there's Kenneth Gainwell. There's just they just keep throwing weapons at you and it's hard for a defense to uh, take that, you know, like it, it's like Derrick Henry going against the defense in the fourth quarter. They just wear you down because there's a bunch of them. It's not just one guy doing this. So uh, the Eagles are a very well built team. It, it's hard. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are, um, what team you are, where you're from. When you're four and seven, 
and you're down 14 points on the road uh, on like a Sunday night in a cold, in like a, you know, in a cold city uh, and, and a team has 300 rushing yards on you or you know, 250 or whatever it is, like you're going to be a little bit less inclined to tackle somebody. And don't get me wrong. The, the Packers tackling was atrocious. Uh, they are a really bad defense right now. We, their whole game plan coming into the season was we're going to be a great defense um, with a great run game. And I think they do still have a great run game. Chris, uh, you know, Christian Watson looks like he could be a budding superstar, but I mean, this, you can't do anything with this type of defense where and look, all credit in the world to the Eagles, because Kenny Clark, uh, as Chris Collins pointed out was non-existent in this game. Uh, uh, Jason Kelsey, just, uh, I now you're getting mad at me for this probably Wilson, but I mean, I think Jason, I think Jason Kelsey is a hall of famer. Um, I, I think just, he's a hall of fame podcaster for sure. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. He and his brother the podcast is fantastic. Um, but he, I mean, what he does with the creative style of run game that Nick Sirianni brings to the table is just outstanding. You know, you can just like the the Miles Sanders run where he launched himself with like a missile at the at the defender didn't even really hit him. But Sanders was like watching him and knew which way to cut and 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 got a few more yards. Um, just the athleticism. I think Lane Johnson hasn't given up a sack. I mean, this is it reminds me a lot of the 2017 team that Philly won the Super Bowl with. They have a lot of pass rush that can keep coming after you. They have this incredible offensive line, some of the same, many of the same players, and they have a quarterback who extends plays, but now they have a quarterback in in Jalen Hurts who is built like – it's almost hard to explain how he's built because it's it's like if you've shrunk Cam Newton a little bit but maybe made him like even bulkier. And no, I think Breach actually – Noted it's it's he's Derek Derek Henry. Like you, you're not yeah, gonna it's fine. You're not gonna arm tackle him. It's not like Kyler Murray who can run around and, and you know he can rip off a 60 yard run. You're gonna tackle him like a safety can tackle him with his arms, trip him up. A defensive tackle or defensive end cannot bring down Jalen Hurts. They have to grab on for dear life and wait for teammates to come help him. And you know, I've told the story before, but when he was coming out of the draft, I had a, a an NFL uh, offensive line coach tell me that Jalen Hurts was the best running back in the Big Twelve, and he wasn't. Like I remember you. I remember you saying that it was. It wasn't an insult, though. No, he was like, "No, I'm not talking about the passing stuff. I'm just talking about his ability to run the ball. It's insane, and that shows up week in and week out. No doubt about it. Uh, it seems very good. Do we want to get Billy? Billy is thirty seconds of. Uh, Billy, yeah, you want thirty seconds because we got we did too long in that game. What you want, Billy? <laughs> there of is. course he wants his 30 seconds. Yeah, Billy, like, oh, Billy, actually, I mean, I'm just giving what the people want. That's all. I'm just giving you what the you people gotta, want. You're going to use your 30 seconds to tell the people about the Paramount Plus promotion. They go. If we get to um, 100 likes on the YouTube, we will give away five Paramount Plus gift cards. If we get to 100, if we get to 200, we'll give away five more. So smash the like button. There are plenty of people in here watching. If you haven't hit the like button, go ahead and do it. Free month of Paramount Plus. Great time to have it. Billy, your Eagles, how'd they look? I mean, I think they look really good. Um, I think I'll just take my 30 seconds to talk about Jalen Hurts. I think you saw some, like, changes of him really turning the corner and being a, like, franchise quarterback and an MVP quarterback. You know, A.J. Brown had a weird game tonight, dropped passes, fumbled, uh, but caught a touchdown pass. Uh, but I think it was very important that Jalen Hurts, even when he dropped passes, even after the fumble, he kept going back to them and like tried to build his confidence back up. And it's something that you see out of veteran quarterbacks like Tom Brady, like Aaron Rodgers. So it was really nice to see that like he has control of the offense. Um, I think some things where I feel like, you know, he could get better at at times is throwing the ball away in certain situations. But other than that, I kind of like his maturation and how he's really starting to like take control over this team and really be the leader. Love it. Um, how about the run defense? Concerned? 
So he's gone. You concerned about? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not concerned about the run defense. I mean, AJ Dillon is 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 very oh, tough to tackle. Like yeah. he's he's a grown man. Um, you guys talk about Derrick Henry, Jalen Hurts being Derrick Henry. I I think AJ Dillon's like a mini Derrick Henry. He's just so hard to tackle, and he has such a big upper body that you want to grab that first, but you can't. You got to try and grab his legs, but they're so powerful. Yeah, I mean. I think they'll clean it up. Um, I think everybody has has a little bit of trouble tackling the Packers uh, running backs. But, yeah, I, I'm not too worried about it. Well, right. they better clean it up because they play Derrick Henry, who we've been talking about, in week 13 next week. That's right. Yeah, interesting test case to see how they do. I, I actually think that they, the uh, the Packers probably utilized uh, A.J. Dillon in this game. They, they used, used him a lot more than they had the last few weeks, uh, maybe all season, probably thinking – this is the only way to win is to be physical in that run game. Okay. Let's also got to talk about blanket shit though. Real quick. Got to talk about blanket shit. That was like, that was, that was a crazy thing. Like I, I was actually shocked by that. I didn't know he was that good of a player undrafted. I mean, Wilson should be able to tell us a little bit more about who that guy is. Oh, dude. Yeah. Middle Tennessee state shrine bowl invitee. Uh, didn't get drafted. And like the rest of us, he probably didn't think he was going to be playing tonight. Uh, Chauncey Gar- CJ Gardner Johnson got hurt, which looked like it was going to be a huge loss. And the the first thing that old Reed does is, is jump a route and get an interception against Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you can't even you can't even make that stuff up. I think he came off a little later with a bloody nose, but I, I think he's gonna be fine. But that, I mean, look, you know, we give um, what's his name? What's the GM? Howie Roseman a lot of flack for some of the decisions he made, including drafting Jalen Hurts in the second round. He's pretty good at putting together a roster. So hats off to him. Hats off to hats off to Reed Blankenship on that. Uh, third, I think it was the third play of his career. Like he had not been on the at all. By the way, Aaron Rodgers said in his post game does not plan to to uh, shut it down. Plans to play next week if he's cleared. We'll see. Cool. Moving along from the Eagles to a Super Bowl winning coach with the Eagles and his giant pair of onions that he drags along behind him. Doug Peterson takes out the Jaguars. Jaguars take out the Ravens. Jaguars move to four and seven. Ravens fall to seven and four, still number first place in the division, 28 27. Um, Doug Peterson goes for two. The Jaguars score with, I believe, with 18 seconds left. Go for two, get the two point conversion on a throw from Trevor Lawrence to Zay Jones, who had a career high in receptions, 11 and receiving yards, 145, and win the game. And ironically, against John Harbaugh to go for two in that spot. Uh, Wilson, I'll just throw it to you and ask you this. Are we still worried about Trevor Lawrence? Well, I'll just say this. And I say this with all the humility in the world. The worst quarterback records by a number one pick through 27 career starts. Top of the list, Jeff George. Tied with Trevor Lawrence, 6-21. and 21. Quarterback wins is your answer, huh? And to be truthful, it's funny. I got a couple tweets, and uh, luckily they they added Brinson to the tweet, so he could retweet it like a butthole. But uh, <laughs> those were fair points. And um, one person, let me, let me call them out because they actually they actually did make a really good point. Uh, while you look at them, I'll, put, I'll just point out that uh, Trevor Lawrence, 29-37, 321, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, third career three TD game, career high in passer rating, 129.8. Yeah, so... Who was it? I'm trying to think. I can't find it. Anyway, he um, he made the point that not only did Trevor Lawrence play great this game, which I readily agree with, he's actually played pretty well the last few games. And I, I think that's also an important note. Um, Stephen Brown the third, By the way, 
he's getting his PhD in math at Clemson. So he's probably pretty smart. Might be smarter than me. Um, but th- that's a fair point. And that last drive is exactly what we've been waiting to see for from Trevor. And the offense stalled in the first half. They were up and down. It wasn't entirely Trevor's fault. But I, I think the-, the bigger issue is that we just hadn't seen it consistently. And I wasn't as concerned about Trevor Lawrence as I am and was about Zach Wilson, who you know could barely throw for 50 yards a game. But this is a huge win, and I think it says a ton that Doug Peterson, uh, to your point, had the onions to, to put his team in that position because he trusted him. As, as, <laughs> as Billy does my trolling for me with the, uh, the graphic from CBS Sports uh, social team. Um, yeah, you don't want to be on the same list as Jeff George and Jamarcus Russell, but I think Trevor Lawrence is going to have a much better career. So, yeah, I, I take back my concerns for Trevor Lawrence. That doesn't mean he, he won't have a few hiccups down the road, but hopefully this is a sign of things to come. And one last thing I'll point out is Andrew Wingard uh, told the media after the game, I'm still happy for Trevor Lawrence because he had to deal with Urban Meyer last year. I would Doug, I would die for Doug Peterson. I swear, I love the guy, and that feels to be the overarching sentiment when you think about this year's Jaguars team. Even though they had just three wins coming into this game compared to last year's Jaguars team, which this is around the time last year where they played the Bengals and old Urban got in trouble going to this old restaurant there, Breach. Uh, you know, Wilson. One thing you said was the, the thing with Trevor Lawrence is just that he's been inconsistent. And this game was actually a good example of that. You know, if you're looking at the glass half full and you want to be an optimist, you're saying maybe this is where Trevor Lawrence finally turned the corner. He made a lot of clutch plays, uh, especially in the fourth quarter. He threw for uh, 100 and I think 55 yards and two of his three, 153 yards and two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. And then, you know, only one touchdown and 170 in the three quarters before that had an ugly fumble in the third quarter. So he wasn't great for the first three quarters. He was, he was the Trevor Lawrence we've come to know and love that sometimes pulls a nice throw uh, out of his hat and then, you know, <laughs> doesn't look great the rest of the game. So it's really hard to judge him. But I do think this is the kind of win that can boost his morale, the team's morale. You can rally around Doug Peterson's decision-making. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is probably going to have a lot more confidence in situations like this going down the road and in future games. So uh, in that aspect, it was good. But it's not like he played four great quarters or even two and a half great quarters. He played probably one and a half great quarters. But that was enough to win. So, uh, And that's all you want for Jack. Wow, he's saltier about Trevor Lawrence than I am, Brinson. Uh, no, I'm just saying. Uh, hey, look, that- if you want to hang out on – if you want to hang out on the on the, the hill, like planting your flag that Trevor Lawrence is going to suck and he's going to be an average NFL that. quarterback, Stop. go for it. That's fine. Stop. I think it's I think it's a fool's errand. I think Trevor Lawrence deserves a red shirt for last year. And I think you heard it um, from the from the announcing crew on this game talking about what Doug Peterson told them, which was you know Trevor Lawrence has always had you know a really bright light on, but he's like you can see the light getting brighter each week, and it, like you can tell that he's picking things up after just the worst possible season any that you could go through from a quarterback perspective, coaching-wise, uh, with, with Urban Meyer last year. So I think what we're seeing is uh, substantial progress. The Jaguars now, I, I think, are um, six and – or no, they're, they've lost all but one of their one-score games. This is like their first one-score game that they've won or something like that. It's a team that Doug Peterson's professional approach and Trevor Lawrence's improvement over the course of the season has allowed them to be competitive – and and that's what you want to see from a from a like it's okay this team isn't winning a ton of games they're they're making a move um and and I, like I thought the Ravens you know I thought the Ravens should have won this one handily I think you have to ask questions again about Baltimore um now 
Uh, I believe they are uh, seven and four. Hey, let me um, let me let me ask quiz you guys as we talk about the Ravens. Okay. So just a wild guess, and you can just buzz in and and answer first. Most losses. No, (laughs) you have to give me a team. Most losses when leading after three quarters over the last two seasons. Who do you think leads the way? Uh, the Baltimore Ravens. That's right. With seven, just one ahead of the Browns. They have four this year, right? I'm sure. Let's see. Maybe I'll get to that. Uh, four teams in NFL history have led by more than one possession in each of their first 11 games. The 42 Bears were 11 and 0, as were the 0 and 9 Saints and the 2011 Packers. 22 Ravens, seven and four. Yeah, that's that's the exact stat I was about to pull from the research packet. I mean, it's, oh. it's and one no, more. No, I mean, like, it's, it's crazy. Like, if 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 you have. To, to to be seven and four with that kind of production is is deeply concerning. Like the Ravens, the Ravens should be, I don't know, at, uh, nine and two right now, ten and one. I mean, Breach. I was going to say, Breach. Do you want to blame Justin Tucker for causing him to lose this game? All he had to do was make a 50, 67 yarder. Oh man, poor Justin Tucker. Did you think it was going in when it left his foot? Because you know what? Here, here, it, it, well. <laughs> I mean, he hit it straight down the middle. And even if you watch him, because usually a kicker can tell pretty much right away uh, if it's going in. And he was he did the slow backtrack like he was willing it to go further. He knew he didn't seem like he thought it had enough mustard on it. Um, And, you know, it fell probably two yards short. But that's just that's one where I would have sat down. If you're John Harbaugh, do we have a better chance with a Hail Mary or a 67 yard field goal outdoors? In Jacksonville, you know, it's it's a tough kick, obviously, because it was set an NFL record. But when you add in the fact that it, it, humidity, you know, there's humidity, humidity had just stormed uh, at the beginning of the game. So there's those factors into it. Uh, but, you know, you have Justin Tucker, you give him a chance. I just I just realized I was like, what is wrong with Breach's voice? I just realized you were at the uh, the Titans Bengals game today. That's probably why. Right. By the way, Breach, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, Billy put up a photograph. That's not two yards short. That feels like eight or nine yards short. Now it landed about two yards short of the end line. It, it's about, I mean, it's about nine feet short. It's about three it, yards short. It probably makes it from 61. Right, which it was a 67-yarder. That's my point. 62. Well, I think what's interesting, too, is that um, on the play before Josh Oliver, uh, a Ravens tight end, caught the pass from Lamar Jackson and did the correct thing by getting out of bounds. Like, you know, he he you can see he cut to the right and got out of bounds. The Ravens still had, I, I believe, all three of their timeouts if not they had, they at least had they definitely had a timeout to use you just wonder if he just like like gone straight ahead and like dove forward and given himself up and slid could could john harbaugh have gotten the timeout off in time probably not yeah there's two seconds left it would have been really close and you, you're, you're trusting the clock operator on the road <laughs> um i'm just saying like if he, if he had kept going straight and picked up the extra yards then I think Tucker can make the field goal. It was, it was just asking too much for him to kick 67. I thought he was going to make it. I had zero doubt. I thought he was going to stripe it. Like I was like, a, well, when it came off, you so see that broke his streak of 65 consecutive field goals made in fourth, the fourth quarter every time. Uh, and it, it looked, it looked as good as it gets off his foot. And then you could tell Tucker was like, ah, I just don't have enough on it. And yeah. Yeah. Michael Kenji Izumi agrees with me. He said it was about 10 yards short. There's no way that was two yards short. That's, that's not 30 feet short. That's just not what 30 feet looks like. Um, All right, what's next? Well, but really quickly, how, what is your level of concern about the Ravens? Because they're still leading the division, 7-4. and four. Here's the thing. If I'm John Harbaugh, can I petition the league just to play three quarters? Because in which case, I will never lose another football game. Otherwise, there are concerns because I don't know what's going to change. We're here now in week 12. This is what's going on in week whatever, two or three or four. 
And I just read off those stats that you were going to read off, and I beat you to the punch. So, Breach, I, I, what, what's going to change? What's match is going to fix this football team? Because they are who they are in terms of weird things happening to them. I don't know if they put themselves in a position in terms of John Harbaugh making a weird decision late in the game or or a, an untimely fumble or, or overthrow or interception by Lamar Jackson. This was more a function of, of that defense just letting Trevor Lawrence do his thing this time. But, you know. Well, I mean, also, Gus Edwards had a huge fumble in the fourth yep. quarter uh, with just under six minutes left that just that, that's those weird things you're talking about though is it looks like the Ravens have it all tied up all they have to do is go down get one more score it's probably over nope Gus Edwards scores on the first play after Jacksonville cut the lead to 1917 just yeah. crazy things like that keep right. happening Jacksonville cut it to 1917 and Gus uh there was a there, they screwed up on special teams they screwed up the kickoff return did a bad job with that then Gus fumbles and that still only led to a Jacksonville field goal which is kind of nuts too like Jacksonville got the ball um on the like the I think they got the ball on the 16-yard line, the, the Ravens 16-yard line, and still only managed a field goal. And then Baltimore got a touchdown after that and got a two-point conversion to go up seven. And you're thinking this game is definitely over, and that's when Lawrence had that great drive. Um, I, I think the Ravens are very much a playoff team, but they need to – they they shouldn't have to worry about getting in the play. They should be the point this season where they shouldn't have to worry about getting the playoffs, and yet here we are. All right, let's take a quick break, and when we come back – Bucks, Tom Brady, get gutted by Jacoby Brissett. Next. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash cbs sports so start your business journey today with taylor brands first time first game of tom brady's career and i don't know if you guys know this tom brady's been playing for a while 21 years mm. 22 years i guess in which his team held a seven plus point lead in the final minute of the fourth quarter and ended up losing the game that is wild um the browns are now at four and seven Let's give uh, what what grade would you give the Browns for the like how they held it down relative to expectations without Deshaun Watson? I give him a C plus only because they they could have two or three more wins right now, and, and I think Jacoby Brissett was an absolute like it, Jacoby Brissett's an A plus on the Russ Wilson scale, which is an F double minus. <laughs> I think he's been. I mean, honestly, breach. If you put Jacoby Brissett on the on the Broncos, Nathaniel Hackett is not getting fired in two weeks. Coach of the year in a couple of weeks. They're in second place in the AFC West with Jacoby Brissett. Uh, and, and you know, I agree with Wilson. This is probably a C. And the thing is, if they had just won one other game and they were five and six with Watson coming back. Uh, how about you, how about how about the Jets game? In which well, I, let me go through what I let me finish my thought first. Uh, yeah, the Jets game was number one. And number two was the Chargers game where Cade York missed a field goal. And if they get either one of those two games, they're five and six. And you feel good about where you are with Deshaun Watson coming back. 
But at four and seven, you're on the cusp of being hopelessly out of it. Uh, so, man, it's just the Browns. You know, usually they Browns it up and they lose games like this. And so that's big. They were able to turn the corner with David Njoku making the second most absurd catch of the entire year uh, mm. behind only Justin Jefferson's. Yeah, and it was on. Uh... Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. I wonder, was it on fourth down? It was, I think it was on fourth down, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was crazy. Like, the game is over. Just stop on this one play. And Njoku, uh, you know, did, made a great job. Sort of got a little bit of a push-off. I think it was, uh, was it Levante David or was it uh, was it uh, was it White? One of the, one of the linebackers. He got a little, little bit of a push-off and got loose in the back of the end zone and made an incredible catch. They got overtime. Jacoby, you know, Jacoby Brissett, um, they – yeah, you know, he said. Uh, he said after the game, he said, "I don't, you know, all due respect to Tom Brady, but he's like for that to be like my last, you know, the way that would like that's my last game as a starter for the Browns. That was effing awesome." But he said, like to quote Tom Brady, "That was effing awesome. That was effing awesome." Um, and I don't blame him, man. Like, Jacoby was such a great guy. Kind of getting a raw deal. I why is he getting a raw deal? I don't think it would be that crazy to say, "All right, Deshaun, you're sitting out the rest of the year," and like, oh god, eh, just being active and let Jacoby play. I don't, think, I don't think Deshaun, Deshaun, Deshaun Watson looks when he comes back. Okay. that's I'm just going to ignore the last 10 seconds. You mentioned overtime, however, before that, 11 seconds ago. Tom Brady's record is 13-4 and four in overtime. Actually, 13-5 now after this. Do you know who holds the record with the most overtime wins? Ooh, what a great question. I do because I know every overtime trivia. <laughs> All right, Brinson, I'll give you – the guy has retired in the last five to seven years. I'll give you that hint. And it's not Peyton Manning. And it's not Jamarcus Russell. Is it somebody? Is it somebody who's like good, or is it somebody yes, who's? He's he's good. Oh, um, he's going to the Will Brinson Hall of Fame. Let me put it that way. Is it, uh, <laughs> he's going to Will Brinson Hall of Fame. It's not Philip Rivers, right? No, but I mean that you'll let anyone in. So I'm just trying. Uh, Eli to Manning. He was once teammates with Philip Rivers. Uh, Indeed, Drew, Drew Brees. Yes. Uh, Fourteen for Drew Brees. Drew Brees is going to Hall of Fame, pal. <laughs> like, I know, but I, I told you I was trying to muddy the waters. Uh, very nice, very nice. <laughs> but um, yeah, so. Great catch by Njoku. I stand by my contention. I think I was the only person to pick the Browns to win this game mm. uh, among the CBS quote unquote experts. More like the lamestream media, if you ask me. But uh, I am not sold on on this Bucks team. I remain unsold on them on these Bucks teams. Uh, Brinson, do you want to make the case that all the teams at NFC South are below five hundred? Do you want to make the case that this team is going to win a playoff game? Um, I think the case is that if. The, the the case for them winning a playoff game has to involve the Giants or Washington creeping into that five spot. Uh, I mean, are you taking the Heineke's to uh, lose? If, if 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 it's Tom Brady at home in a playoff game, yeah, I'm probably going to take. I them. mean, they'd be the Cowboys in Week One. There's definitely a chance they could. Okay, they could potentially be any team that would end up in that five <laughs> spot. Yes. Yeah, I mean, like the the best possible team that could end up in that five spot would be, uh, I mean, I guess San Francisco, <laughs> Seattle somehow stole the division. Yeah, but you have to you have to do a lot of squinting to try to make this work, though. That's I, no, but I'm saying like it's likely going to be an NFC East team or Seattle in that five spot. Well, Seattle's not in the picture right now. I know, but they're just. I mean, I'm just saying like that's there's a few okay. weeks left. I mean, all right. Now there is well, also could, a possibility you know who else could be that five spot. Mm-mm. Philly. No, please stop. If, if if Dallas wins, if Dallas walks him down for the division, that's I mean that's totally feasible. 
So, uh, Breach, how do you feel about this Browns team now that Deshaun? And I'm just no, I'm fine with that. I'm just thinking about we didn't talk about the Browns did win the game. I was trying to bring it back. Uh, I think you disagree with me. I disagree with Brinson about his contention that Deshaun should sit for a little bit. How's this team going to look when Deshaun gets back, which is right now because and they play the Texans next week, I believe. Look, we were saying this in the early odds podcast that this guy has not played a regular season football game in almost two years. It'll have been, I think, 700 days since his last start when he steps on the field against the Houston Texans. There is no guarantee that he is going to go out there and look like Deshaun Watson of two years ago. You, you know, we have no idea what he's going to look like. He's an unknown factor at this point. Obviously, the Browns gave him $230 million guaranteed. So they're assuming that two years ago, Deshaun Watson is going to show up. But maybe he goes... I, by the way, remember how I said what that where that line was going to go on the early odds podcast at halftime? It's already at seven. What line are you talking about? Browns minus seven at Houston. It was at six when we did the podcast. I said, get it in now because it's going to move to seven. It's already and there. well, and then you look at the games. He's got to go back to Houston, which is going to be crazy. Then he plays the Bengals the next week and the Ravens the next week. So it, maybe he, he can go zero and three, and then people in Cleveland are saying, "Please put Jacoby Brissett back in." Like you have no idea how this is going to play out. I know people include, well, my buddy who's a Browns fan grew up there has been saying for months that he just wished they had kept the picks and rolled with Jacoby because sure. it's not going to be, it's not going to be worth it. But I think that Deshaun Watson of healthy starting every game from here on out. I don't think oh, he definitely is. I mean, like that, that was sort of a hot take that was like kind of grounded in the fact that Jacoby Brissett has gone out and been a, been business been like with, with a bad Browns team has played really well, uh, is the polar opposite in terms of at least what we know currently, like, or what we think, you know, from a, from an off-field perspective, uh, I would say that Jacoby Brissett is probably the polar opposite of Deshaun Watson, um, and and so I, I don't know. I just feel it just it just stinks that you know Jacoby Brissett is. I know he's four and seven. I don't know if he should be rewarded, but it's like, all right, Deshaun's back from his eleven-game suspension. See you, Jacoby. All right, Brent. So I'm going to ask you one question. You have five seconds to answer them. We're moving on. Mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson's back next year, starting every seventeen games. Aaron Rodgers is back, starting all seventeen games for the Packers. Who wins more football games next year? Packers. Watson. Yeah, I think the Watson answer is closer to the truth. All right, what's next? Next up. The Jets. Brady Quinn. Oh, Brady Quinn lost another thousand dollars. How fun is that? That dude's gonna go broke. I think he'll be okay. Is there a uh, caveat if Zach Wilson isn't the starter? <laughs> <A loophole? laughs> uh by the way, fun fact leading rusher. You know the leading rusher was for the Jets? It won Zach Wilson this time. Sure what? Does he can anybody know? Can you tell me? I'm looking now, it's your buddy. Yep. Bam Knight, baby. Zonovan Knight actually uh, had 69 carries or 69 yards on 14 carries, 4.9 yards per carry, and three receptions for 34 yards, giving 103 yards from scrimmage, setting a new Jets record for yards from scrimmage in an NFL debut. Really? That seems low. It does. Good for him. Really? That seems really low. Is that the Jets we're talking about? But you're, you're bearing the lead here. Mike White, unbelievable. I believe he won somebody a million dollars in the uh, in the DraftKings Millie Maker. 22 and 28, 315 passing yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, 149.3 passing yard, passing rating in nasty weather against the Bears team on it was not on the road. It was in uh, it was in New York. MetLife City. In MetLife City, whatever. You can't tell the difference between those two crap stadiums anyway. Mm. Jets go to seven and four, 31 10 the final. I mean, probably I mean, look, this is the buzz, the word on the street was that Zach Wilson was basically be given, like being given a mental break to sort of recharge and kind of like step away. And it's like, all right, like let's just try and hold on, see if we can get you know this guy can get it back. And then Mike White comes in and plays great. The biggest question of all here, Wilson, 
why the hell did Joe Flacco play at all when they had Mike White, when, Joe, when Zach Wilson was hurt? This, look how this guy plays. He looked great. Yeah, it was great. But don't forget, the guy that started for the Bears because Justin Fields banged up. Some butthole wanted to start Justin Fields this week. It wasn't me. Uh, Trevor Simeon at one point was the guy. They're like, oh, my God, this guy is going to be the successor to Peyton Manning. And he was a seventh-round pick out of Northwestern. Right, and, then, and then right before the, the game, they're like, actually, Nathan Peterman's starting. And then they're like, actually, it'll be a game-time decision on who's starting. It's like, the game kicks off in four minutes. What do you mean it's a game-time decision? So, uh, you know, let's hit the brakes a little bit. It's a great story for Mike White, and, and he has played well previously. And we'll see how it goes. But in terms of him or Joe Flacco, I don't know. It's It might end up being a half a dozen to one. But I think the bigger takeaway, and I'm interested in what street you were standing on when people said he needed a mental break. A mental break from what? Throwing for 150 yards every week? Like, he hasn't been asked to do anything. The defense has done the, done the heavy lifting in the running game, as Breach. Yeah, I feel like the Jets needed a mental break from Zach Wilson, yes. not the other way around. And look, I'm the president of the Mike White fan club. I saw him just totally destroy the Bengals last season when he came out of nowhere and they won that game 34 to 31. And at that point, it was like, okay, well, this guy isn't that bad. It looked like the same exact quarterback out there against the Bears. And the thing is, like, Zach Wilson just has not been good this season. And it really felt like as good as the Jets had been through the first 11 weeks that they didn't really feel like a true playoff contender because Zach Wilson was their quarterback. But now that Mike White's in there and not that, you know, he's not Joe Burrow or Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, but this team feels like it's in much better hands. I look at their Vikings game next week, for instance. If Zach Wilson started that game, I'm taking the Vikings. I don't care what the point spread is. But with Mike White, it's a little dicier. Maybe I pick the Jets to win. So I just feel like this... He gives them a much better shot of making the playoffs and winning more games down the stretch. Let me ask both of you this. Let's assume Mike White stays healthy. Uh, he's going to start every game from here on out. I think that's probably going um, to happen. I don't, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't go there. Okay. They're trying to make the playoffs. This is a legit playoff team. And they, this guy, Garrett Wilson, looked like a number one pick. Elijah Moore, someone threw him the football finally. Wait, you just told me to like slow down on that one, Mike White. And now you're speeding up. I agree. Look, getting hold the ball on, to on. Elijah Moore and, and getting, and, Feeding Garrett Wilson it makes a ton of sense. Don't get me wrong; I, he's played better than Zach Wilson has played. I just think that by virtue of who Mike White is, that it's likely that at some point we see Zach Wilson play some snaps or start a game. If he stays healthy, Zach Wilson is not going to play again. If Mike yeah, White, I don't, does. I don't think we see Zach. And Wilson. my 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 question is this: What are you doing in the off season when twenty twenty three rolls around with Zach Wilson? That well, that's yeah. um, that's a whole different ball of wax. That you you're not you're not you're not cutting him. You're trading him to Denver because they're collecting Wilsons there. <laughs> need another Wilson. Need a worse Wilson next, to make a rush better. He's at the Vikings, at the Bills, Lions at home, Jaguars at home. That's it. Pretty, pretty. Like if Zach Wilson, if they if they have they lose every game between now and Week 17, then I think Zach Wilson starts the final game of the year. There's no reason to bring him back. The team. It sounds like the team was frustrated with him. If you listen to Garrett Wilson's comments last week, speaking in generalities, sure. no one was winching this week when. Uh, Mike White threw for 315 yards. You play to win the game. Tell him, Harm. Look, yeah, when your receivers are throwing you under the bus subtly, that's <laughs> that's, and you've lost the locker room. That's usually a sign. It's probably time. I, I was really happy. For, I thought Wilson was drinking a banquet beer for a second. <laughs> no, course is that banquet beer? Of yeah, course, original is a banquet beer, not course light. Uh, look, I, Mike White is definitely starting next week, uh, unless he just is completely atrocious and they get blown out. Uh, and even then, he probably still starting against the Bills. And yeah. by the way, yeah, um, 
Salah said that, that Mike White started next week, so that that part is absolutely correct. Yeah, I mean, I mean, pinching him for Zach Wilson after that. I just, just I would, said I, Zach Wilson's playing again. I would, I don't think I would, I would put the over under if Zach Wilson starts at point five, and I'll take the over. Oh, point five games. Pound the under. Yeah, if they're both healthy, no way. Yeah. Pounding. Pounding. Thank you, Breach. I need to know what pounding looks like. Um. Uh, the Bears. The Bears wouldn't mind if Darnell Mooney uh, suffered an injury. He's going to be out for the season. Again, Justin Fields needs the reps. Don't get me wrong, but I don't have a problem if you don't roll out Justin Fields until he's a complete until he's as close to 100 percent as you can get him. They're not going to be very good. You, you know, play for your pick. Maybe you can help him out. Maybe you can grab um. Oh gosh, who's the uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. to pair of uh, Justin Fields? That'd be fun. And by the way, Garrett, Garrett Wilson uh, this season by starting quarterback, 71.3 yards per game with Joe Flacco, 45.6 with Zach Wilson, and 95 per game with Mike White. And Elijah Moore, who's a stud and what, demanded a trade and like was active. He's like, I don't know why I can't get the ball when Zach Wilson's in there. It's like, dude, you have these two guys, one you're drafted with and the other that they drafted in the first round to get to you. Feed these mofos. Like, why are you, you should be locking in on them, even if you're making mistakes and like forcing balls into coverage. Feed Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore. Should have told him that two weeks ago. He's already benched. Let me uh, put this to you, then we can move on from NFL on CBS's Twitter feed. The last two quarterbacks with multiple games with 300 passing yards and three passing touchdowns in their first four starts Mike White and. You want to guess? Um, He's also going to the Princeton Hall of Fame. Wait, say it again. What's the stat? The last two quarterbacks with multiple games with 300 passing yards and three passing touchdowns in their first four starts. First four. Mike White. And start calling him Heisenberg. What's that? Is he still active? Oh yeah, he's he's the one of the five best players in the NFL right now. Is it Matthew Stafford? (laughs) It's Patrick Joe Burrow. It's who? Patty Mahomes, baby. Oh, my God. Uh, you can see the Will Brinson Hall of Fame is messing me up. You're talking about Mahomes. Yeah, Mahomes. that's how I feel every time you talk about it. By the way, if you, if you like, if you, if, if, if you ask somebody, like, if you ask, if you ask, like, Madden to, to just auto generate a name for Mike White, but given only his photo, they would still name him Mike White. <laughs> All right. The Bengals beat the Titans. Mm mm. Joe Burrow looks saucy after this game. Preach, I'm going to refill my glass. Why don't you talk about your uh, Bengals? Uh, 2016, by the way, on the road. You were there at the game with the entire Breach family. And if you even want, you can tell us about your uh, your little dinner date. Money, Matt. Well, first of all, Brinson, I wasn't at the game. My family came to town. I hung out with them on Saturday <laughs> night. You were the game. No, no. My my dad went to the game. My sister, my brother-in-law, my sister-in-law. Um it's weird that your voice is gone. If you well, because we were hanging out Saturday all day Saturday. Yeah. I met them at one o'clock Saturday, yeah. hanging out all day. Do you believe this? Hanging out with uh, you know Bengals fans on Saturday night in Nashville, and uh, ran into Evan McPherson at the Bengals hotel. Ran into Evan McPherson. Wait, was you just accidentally ran into him, or? Well, we were there, Stop. and. Uh, you know, like sometimes the players will come down because we were on our way somewhere else. Or you're just accidentally at the team hotel. I got you. I got you. Yeah. No, we weren't accidentally there. We were there. And so, <laughs> uh, so anyway, he came down and he started talking to my dad and my sister who would probably, this is like 
six thirty or seven yeah, o'clock. Ten or fifteen beers, sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so she decides she wants a picture with Evan McPherson. My dad's like, "Oh my god, don't do this." So, but who no, saw, gets, who saw who first, Jim Breach or Evan McPherson? Uh, I think my dad saw him first. It was like, hey, because they obviously know each other. They're Bengals kickers. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, so anyway, uh, Drew Christman's the Bengals punter. This is only his second game ever, and my sister didn't know what he looked like. I don't think I even. No, she didn't. <laughs> so he asked Drew Christman to take the photo of her and Evan McPherson. She just like, excuse me, can you take this photo? Excuse me. So literally. Yes. So she asked the Bengals punter without knowing it was the Bengals punter to take a picture of her and Evan McPherson. Was she humiliated uh, when she found out that it was a Drew Christman? No, she actually thought it was even more hilarious and basically said that, uh, you know, when, when you play 10 more seasons, people want to take pictures with you, but now it's Evan Sir, something like that. It was crazy, but it, it was, it was pretty funny. So anyway, I'm sure the what? life of a punter is one in which you are all, always asked to hold the camera, but anyway, go ahead. That's right. they're probably used to it. Right, I have the game. I'll get nice. Yeah. So this game, you know, if you're the Bengals, it, the one thing you really want to do is shut down Derrick Henry and the way they were tackling Derrick Henry was, just insane. I mean, they had defensive backs coming in, getting them at the ankles, tackling them for losses. And the way they handled the Titans offense was incredibly impressive. And I think that, you know, we heard all week that Jamar Chase might play in this game. They finally rule him out. And look, Patrick Mahomes, his fully healthy offense was only able to score 20 points against this Titans defense. So there was some thought, you know, the Bengals could struggle a little bit uh, without Jamar Chase out there, but they didn't need him because T Higgins went off. And, you know, it's this is not a Tennessee defense that's easy to move the ball on. It's not easy to score points. Uh, but what the Bengals did without Joe Mixon and without Jamar Chase, I really felt like this was their best win, their most impressive win, uh, and just kind of the one that said, hey, everyone, we're still here. We're the defending AFC champs, uh, and, and we're out here to uh, get that crown again. And so, you know, I, I think if people were sleeping on the Bengals before, that this might have been the win where it said, okay, I'll maybe I'll start taking this team seriously. Uh, I'm not going to go into crazy hyperbole, but I will say if you, you know, you're watching a couple screens and you look up and you see T Higgins making acrobatic catch after acrobatic catch, which he's done for most of the season, especially when, when Jamar went down, he looks a lot like AJ, AJ Brown out there. AJ, AJ, uh, who's AJ? Jamar Chase. No. Um, AJ, AJ Brown. No. Who's AJ that played with, uh, AJ Green, oh, AJ Green. Gosh, I forgot. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got yeah. the wrong color. So, um, yeah, and he is not AJ Green through the entirety of his Bengals career, but he is—he's a truly special player, and a guy who should have gone in the first round. And idiots talked me into not di- put him in the first round in my mock draft. I'm there. still mad about that too. I got, I got, I got, I got bamboos on that one. I love T Higgins coming out. I was like, oh, please. And the only other thing I'll mention, actually, a couple things. Uh, I made this note: T Higgins caught a touchdown pass on that jump ball early in the fourth quarter to make it 20 to 13. And Roger McCreary was in coverage. He's their second round pick out of Auburn. I love Roger McCreary. He is one of the best sort of cover cornerbacks that came out last year. The issue is he's undersized. And I think he ran in the four fives. The four five was an issue, but you can be the best player on planet earth. If you're five ten with short arms going against someone like T Higgins, it doesn't matter. And, and, and that's sort of the difference. And that's, that's just something uh, I made a mental note on, uh, Again, pointing out how good T. Higgins is, but also if you physically you have to be able to compete. And finally, the, the last thing I'll mention, Breach, um, 
on the scale of dumb special teams plays on the season, where does the one rank for the Titans giving the Bengals the ball back at the end of the football game? Uh, top two. It is at the top of the list. That is what's I mean, what's what's number one? Like that's getting called nine. They assigned an official to watch that. Right. And if you're Tennessee, let them kick the field goal. You get the ball back down a touchdown. That's it. You know, it's that easy. But instead, you get flagged for this penalty that probably gets called twice a year. Uh, I think the dumb penalty was that the Raiders also got called for a similar penalty that cost them the game earlier this year. Um, but yeah, so the Titans special teams just absolutely blew it there with, uh, they missed a field goal right before the half from, I think 33 yards that are yeah. 35 yards. It just, I mean, it was 20 mile an hour wins, 15 to 20 mile an hour wins in Nashville. It was this guy's first game ever in the NFL and it just hooked on him. And, uh, it, you I, know, that obviously hurt. And then the penalty won the game for the Bengals. I, I got, a, I got a buddy in a, in a, in a group chat, uh, shout out Wells, who, uh, is a, is a Titans fan. He was like, he texted when that happened. He's like, I can't believe I'm like wishing that Randy Bullock was back, like, back into this team. Like that's how, yeah. that's how bad it's gotten. Caleb Shudek was, I think he ended up going two for three breach. Um, what's going to ask you quickly right now, Super Bowl. Who, who wins the FC North? Oh man. I feel pretty uncomfortable with my Ravens futures in the NFC North, AFC North. And you can't say the Steelers either. I would have to say 51.5 to 48.5 in favor of the Ravens. No, the Bengals are winning. Do you know what the odds are? 58.5 to 48.5? No, do you know what the, the odds on William Hill are right now for the Raven for the AFC North? No, the Steelers are eighty to one. Sounds too low. Just want to let you, let you know, the Browns are twenty five to one. That's not that's not intriguing, right? They're three games no. back, Michelle Watson coming back. No, it's not. Probably not. Uh, the Bengals are two to one, and the Ravens are minus two forty. Yeah, bang the bang the Bengals. I mean, it's it's all about the schedule. The 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 Ravens have a much easier schedule. I mean, the do you Bengals, know who the Ravens just lost to today? Breach. I, yes. I do know that, but <laughs> but you look at the Bengals. They still have to play the, uh, the Bills. Bengals schedule is brutal. <laughs> wow. The Bills, the Chiefs, the Patriots, the Ravens, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, the Browns with Deshaun Watson, and then Baltimore on the flip side only plays one more team that currently has a winning record. So the, the Bengals have Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson is one of his first two games back, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, Josh Allen, and then the Ravens. I will bet... Oh. Breach, if this doesn't happen, you will shave your head. I guarantee you the Bengals will beat Tom Brady and Deshaun Watson. So Yeah, I, I agree with that, though. So I will just say two things that I think the Bengals are the better team I think uh, so. right now. That does it just the schedule is much more difficult on their end. And number two, if the game comes, if the division comes down to week 18, which is Bengals Ravens, I think the Bengals would win. All right, what's next? Great win for the Bengals. Uh, the Titans are still a, a fun football team. I love Mike, Mike Vrabel. They're going to win the division. Uh, yes. They're the Buccaneers in the sense that, like, it doesn't matter what they do because they're not – they're going to get that three or four seed, and that's it. Like, that's – That's their fate. Right. The Titans are minus 700 to win the division. <laughs> are you serious? That's not, that yeah. sounds the like The Jaguars that. are 7-1. to one, The Colts are 14-1. to one. And the, right. the Texans are – and this is only for just humorous purposes – 500 to 1. Uh, could you imagine if the Titans hundred to one to win? Just take them off, man. Leave them. Like Titans, Dolphins in the wild card round, that would be an entertaining game. Uh, all right, I, I just uh, right before, yeah. 
Come on, come on. You can do it. Relax. I'm... Settle down, pal. The just I was just gonna look at the AFC playoff picture really quickly. Well, why are you looking at that? As Victor just, points out, beat, what's that? Uh, Burrow's gonna finally beat the Browns. The Bengals struggle against the Browns, Ryan. So maybe they lose to the Browns. Well, that's true. And then you have to shave your head. Um, right now it would be Miami hosting the Jets, <laughs> Kansas City getting the bye, Tennessee hosting Cincinnati. Oh no. The Titans do not want it. How about Ted Karras storming out of there, by the way? I don't know if you mentioned that or not. That was hilarious. That's amazing. And then Baltimore hosting Buffalo. Those are um, three really, I don't, I don't know if they're spicy, but like Tennessee does not, Baltimore doesn't want Buffalo coming to town. Tennessee does not want, like you would much rather go to Tennessee and play them than have Buffalo come to your home stadium, right? Nah. I don't know. You know, I mean, there's a whole conversation of beating a team three times in a row. If you're at home, like where did they beat the chiefs last year? They beat the chiefs at home last year or on the road. Both. Yeah. I mean, would they you, be the chiefs at home, at in, the home in the regular season and yeah. in Kansas City I, I no, no, I'm saying like, if you're, uh, is there any merit to the idea that it, let's say Miami wins the AFC East and is the two seed that making Buffalo guaranteed to be the five seed. Would you rather be a wild card winner or the division winner? You know what I mean? Like you, I mean, hosting Buffalo in a wild card game is a is a punishment for winning the division. Buffalo yeah. has been playing great. I mean, if they get there, get back on track, absolutely. I, I don't think Tennessee wants Cincinnati coming to town. I think I think Tennessee and Baltimore might both prefer Baltimore going to Tennessee and versus Cincinnati and Baltimore doesn't Baltimore doesn't want to deal with Buffalo coming to town. Uh, the Jets are your current seven seed. The Patriots are eight. And the team that we are about to talk about next, the Los Angeles Chargers, maybe a season-changing and job-saving win for uh, Brandon Staley. The second time on Sunday that we saw a team go for two late, obviously the Jacksonville Jaguars did it and won, so too did the Chargers, beating the Cardinals 25-24, Justin Herbert 35-47, 274, and three touchdowns. Uh, Keenan Allen returned, but wasn't massively effective. Austin Eckler was pretty good in this game as well. And the uh, car- the Chargers went for two, got it. And then they trolled the living crap out of Kyler Murray by posting uh, Call of Duty memes, which is just a tough scene, man. Like, Kyler, Kyler, Kyler still hadn't won since Call of Duty came out, I believe. And every time a team beats him, that other team's social media uh, admin or, or squad puts out a freaking... Call of Duty meme like that like that's tough. That is tough. So right? Kyler's zero and three since Call of Duty came out. But in his defense breach, he's over his career one and seven in November. So Jeez. who knows what's causing what? Uh, in terms of the Chargers, Justin Herbert remains the best social media quarterback on the planet. Um, <laughs> I mean, I. I I love this guy and I apologize all the time about being down on him coming out of Oregon. And that that's on yep. me. Idiots. Uh, led the team in rushing. Uh, Austin Eckler did more of his damage uh, through the air than on the ground, but, but that's okay. Uh, you mentioned that Keenan Allen came back. Uh, he did some things, finally opened things up. Gerald Everett had that T1 conversion, that little angle route, which was a fantastic play. I give Brandon Staley a ton of credit for not even hesitating. And it's interesting. You mentioned the Jaguars went for it and Brandon Staley and the Chargers went for it. And we'll talk about this team in a second. The Raiders didn't go for it. Like they kicked the extra point, which was sort of interesting uh, to tie it up to get it to overtime. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, Billy just put the the Chargers tweet 
which is trolling the ever living daylights. I, I don't really understand this meme, but apparently it's a it's a Call of Duty thing. Um, and you don't understand the kids, Brenton. Yeah, I, no, I just don't play Call of Duty. Um, by the way, you know who else didn't go for it? Didn't go for two to win the game. Carolina Tar Heels. Oh, I didn't see that game. You have to think of that with Kevin Simel. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'd be happy to. But for me, uh, the issue isn't so much the Chargers. They're six and five. Let me ask you this, Breach and Brinson, if you want to join in. The Chargers didn't charge this game up, but they came close to much the same way that Falcons game a few weeks ago. And then last week against the Chiefs, they, they you know, did what they usually do. Is this a sign of this team turning the corner? Or are we only just a silly miscue away from them being the Chargers? Yeah, I don't think beating the Cardinals is turning the corner. If anything, the Cardinals chargered this game up. Nice. I mean, they just kept making these dumb mistakes. Uh, you know, I think James Conner had a fumble. There was the interception. There was Kyler Murray in the press conference after the game oh boy. saying that, oh, uh, yeah, the Chargers had our fourth and one figured up, figured out we were effed, except he actually radically we were effed. He actually used the F word in a press conference and talk about throwing your head coach under the bus than saying that a fourth and one failed because they out schemed us. I mean, that is a bonkers thing for a starting quarterback to say when the coach said, hey, we're going to call a play that gives you three options, Kyler. So it's kind of on you to make the right choice, uh, you know, and if you keep the ball, whatever, whatever goes on here. Cliff's putting it on Kyler's shoulders and when it fails, then Cliff's throwing it back uh, or Kyler's throwing it back on Cliff and saying, well, it's your fault because you called a dumb play. Uh, um, the- I, I, I want to note that while I have said, I don't think that the Cardinals will fire anybody. Uh, and, and again, I'm allowed to change my mind if they keep losing and keep losing, and keep losing. And when Cliff Kingsbury gets fired. You're allowed to change your mind. Okay. We'll get no, 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 But I, I think this is, it's like, you know, when we say, when we hear like, it's like Aaron, like it's like the injuries get leaked out. And it's like, oh, like maybe they're thinking about shutting it down. The other reason you know that maybe that like when you when you hear this, this is Ian Rappaport uh, tweeted out on Sunday morning. Meanwhile, and this is like his update. Meanwhile, as Kyler Murray is set to return, sources say Murray and coach Cliff Kingsbury used the time not playing to get on the same page. Red flag one. He quote tweeted, the AZ Cardinals quarterback coach relationship has been tense. But my understanding is Kyler Murray and coach Cliff Kingsbury spent the last two weeks talking through everything, planning how things will look and focusing on communication. A blessing in disguise is how a source called it. And then they go out and this happens and Kyler says, schematically, we were effed. Now, this is where you start. Now, this is where if this happens and you can't move on from Kyler, like this is how Cliff gets fired. I said that a month ago. But you, I understand you've been saying that for a month. Not the Kyler part, the Cliff part. I mean, if you have to move on from somebody, it's got to be Cliff. That, that's what I'm saying is that if this becomes an untenable, people are throwing each other under the bus publicly on a frequent basis, and they're having to leak out that they spent two weeks, you know, the, the, his his had a romantic retreat. Yeah, it was a, like was a Couple blessing in disguise. While Cliff was coaching, by the way, and losing, then 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 you start then it starts to be a red flag situation because it's also possible that other people involved in the organization realize that there needs to be a scapegoat for this season. If you don't think Steve Kimes are thinking about scapegoats for about four months now, then fair, you, fair, you fair. haven't been paying attention. Fair, fair. Uh, also, I don't typically watch hard knocks. I it just, after the Antonio Brown blimp incident, I sort of shied away from it, but I did make a point before 
today's game to go back and watch the last episode of in season hard knocks, which was the, the Mexico city trip in which they got their absolute doors blown off by the 49ers. And I never really paid attention to Cliff Kingsbury in terms of the, the way he coaches and how he talks to his team, but there's some behind the scenes things where he's, he keeps saying things like find a way. And I'm thinking you're the coach. You find a way. Why are you telling your team to find a way? And it's a it's a coachism, and that's things that coaches say. I get it, but as it relates to this team, and speci- uh, specifically, you're like, okay, this guy has no idea. He has no plan, and it feels like week in and week out, he gets out coached. The only thing, not the only thing, one of the things he has going for him is that he's incredibly handsome. He doesn't strike me as someone who is scheming things up. We have proof from Kyler Murray that he can't to to put his team in the best positions to to, to make plays. So. Who knows whether he's around or not next week, next year, 10 years from now, but this team has woefully underachieved, and, and I don't know how you can sort of justify keeping around some of the cast of characters that are currently there. Yeah, they're going to have a, a lot of big decisions to make because it does feel like, uh, I mean, this was it. They could have saved their season with a win, and they didn't win. That's what it comes out. It's to. outrageous how... <laughs> oh, look at that. Joe Musso's in the chat. He was Joe there on Blimp Day when he was out on the West Coast covering covering the uh, the Raiders. Um the uh it's it's amazing how bad how like it, it, like one of the things you could never predict if you if you had a million guesses about this NFL season that the AFC West and NFC West would be oh, yeah. absolute trash outside of like the 49ers and the and the Chiefs and that the AFC East and NFC East would like be just like loading up on playoff teams and yet here we are um hey let me ask you this quickly Brett before we move on uh breach mentioned that the Cardinals could have saved their season with a win i know how breach feels about Chargers this. you mean the Cardinals could have saved their season with oh, a Cardinals win. could have yeah and i know how breach feels about the rest of this answer cuz he's a a jackpot as what? Uh, my sister like 5 say. and 7 maybe I'm did the sure. Chargers Save their season with a win today. I, I think, I mean, that's why I called it when we introduced it. I think potentially season saving for them, you know, you have to, you have to go out and execute down the stretch and you have to win some games. And, but you know, you lose this game and you fall to, um, you know, five you fall six. to five and six. Yeah. I mean, it feels like a pretty big swing here on that two point conversion, which is kind of crazy. That's, that is the NFL in a nutshell, right? That two point conversion gives the Chargers, gives the Chargers a win. Cardinals a law like a heartbreaking loss. The Chargers feel like reinvigorated, and if if they miss the two point conversion, you feel like uh, like maybe Brandon Staley's getting fired, and Cliff Kingsbury's got some energy late in the season. Who knows? It's Cliff Kingsbury has some energy. I wouldn't go that far. Uh, all, right. Would- all right, let's take a break, and when we come back, the Raiders did they turn their season around? Next. <laughs> By the way, I should point out. Mm-hmm. Ryan Wilson doesn't do enough work around here. We're tired of him lollygagging with his grumpy attitude, complaining that he's got to do right and do draft coverage and podcast with me. So we decided to give another podcast. Congratulations, Wilson. <laughs> it's actually his own show. It's a spinoff show. Wow, I have my own spinoff show. That's so cool. Or you have your own spinoff show, but you're, like, you're Archie Bunker and I'm the Jeffersons. No, no, no. That means like you're you're uh, Saul Goodman and I'm uh, I'm Walter White. All right, well, that works too. Actually, I guess I, that's not good for me. Um, Walter White, like you, also no spoilers. No spoilers, but not great for me. Or Ryan is fresh. Is a stinky cologne. <laughs> Ryan is friends, and Brinson is Joey. We, we <laughs> 
<laughs> the reverse spinoff. All right, go ahead. Keep reading. With the first pick, that's the name of it. I don't know if it's dot, dot, dots or not. Is the new NFL Draft Pod hosted by Wilson and longtime NFL GM Rick Spielman. You can watch episodes here on the Pick 6 Podcast YouTube channel or by searching with the first pick on any podcast platform. If you listen to this podcast, if you watch this podcast, if you hang out in the chat, if you're all, oh, we just got big and vertical. If you, Billy, Billy's drunk. If you support Ryan Wilson, don't have to support me. Actually, if you hate me and support Ryan Wilson, go subscribe to that podcast. Let's get those numbers up. They'll know it's coming from here. It'll make us look good. It'll make y'all look good. And uh, we can give away some Paramount Plus gift cards, too. Um, yeah, we can wait 10 of them. Hell, I don't care. Get us to one. Let's hit the <laughs> like button. We get to 150. We'll give away 10 of them. Um, Lucas Pulowski makes a good point. Uh, I'm, I'm basically Fraser. Like, you're cheers. I'm Fraser. 100%. That, I could lean into that. I'm a huge Fraser fan. I'm okay with that. <laughs> and Musso has a fantastic name. Better call Ball. <laughs> <laughs> That makes so smarter than he looks. I'll give him that. Know, this is, Handsome this is double. Uh, um, but anyway, the the Raiders. Oh, yeah, the Raiders. So uh, the Raiders. I totally what forgot what talking about. What's that? I had totally forgotten which game we were I had talking to. about. Uh, this is a game that was annoying because they. Why? Well, for me, because they, they acted like Derek Carr was dead when yeah, they got to this they injury thing. That. And I was like, well, I like, see actually like minus six and a half live. So I smashed them live. And then, yeah, it's like. Gotcha. <laughs> Well, it's like he's on the he's in on the next play, but he threw a pick immediately. Uh, he looked terrible. Then he rallied. Josh Jacobs, monster game. Thirty. No, he carries. came back after the injury through a touchdown. Is that right? Yeah, one play later. The very first play, pick, I think the very first play of the game, he threw an interception. I think okay, yeah. Anyway, um, yes, and it looked like it was going to be a disaster because he also got injured early, and it was like, oh no, is Eric Carr's season over? But then he came back after one play and uh, looked phenomenal for okay. the most part. There you go. There you go. Um, <laughs> yeah, I did tell somebody to yeah, trade. Boy, Josh yeah, yeah, boy, yeah, Jesus, Lucas. Again, you're you're bearing the lead about about Derek Carr. Derek Carr wasn't the the main attraction on that offense. Josh Jacobs, thirty three carries, two hundred twenty nine yards, two touchdowns, including an eighty six yard walk off rumble in overtime, which was probably seen by not many people because uh, Red Zone had to cut away, and it was only available on local CBS stations or on channel 713 on direct TV. Uh, but Jacobs had a enormous game. Yeah. That does check out that I told somebody not to trade for Josh Jacobs. And, and then he did that. Um, most rush yards in his first 11 games of a season in Raiders history. Josh Jacobs passes Marcus Allen from 1985. One of the smoothest cats alive. Tough game for, uh, I, I thought the Seahawks, I thought offensively the Seahawks played pretty well, not as good as they could have, but the concerning thing for me was how badly their de their defense regressed to what we'd seen earlier in the year. I mean, 74 total points scored in this game. The Raiders are who we thought they were, but, you know, Devontae Adams was um, you know, making dudes miss out in the open field, and Jacobs was just, just I mean, he was just running for seven yards a carry. Like, he was just dominating every time he touched the ball. Their defense sucks, and that, that's, that, that's been no mystery. They're, if you uh, close your eyes and open them at 8.30 p.m., you saw the Seahawks defense playing uh, pretend to be the Green Bay Packers defense. So they're basically the same team. Basically the same. That's fine. Yeah. Um, and that's just reality of it. I will say this. Um, they had two sacks the Raiders did today. I think Max Crosby had a sack and a half. Coming into this game, they had as many sacks 13 as Matt Judon did. So they got the Crosby one of the Crosby ones was late and huge. On like that's a, right. Second down. So, 
they got after it on defense, which was nice. They finally got an interception. I think they came into the game with like six turnovers, which is uh, among the worst. And they they got a, a pick from Geno. I think that's I'm looking at the right uh, thing there. But in terms of Josh Jacobs, that that's so incredibly huge because Derek Carr for most of the season has felt like he's been he's taken on a lot. Whether he's been asked to do it, I don't know. And they've come up short time and time and, and time again. And I, I think having a running back that can do these things, and he was as effective, Josh Jacobs was on the ground as he was through the air, is a, a great development. And unlike the other teams we've mentioned where the coaches are on the hot seat, number one, Josh McDaniels not going anywhere, even though he has more trips to the principal's office than anyone. And it feels like this team had issues in the locker room, not with the coach, and, and that seems to be getting better. Of course, winning breach helps that. Uh, yeah, winning does help that. And, you know, it was crazy – how well Josh Jacobs played. He had the fourth longest game-winning touchdown run or offensive touchdown in overtime mm. in NFL history. That is my fun fact for the podcast. Uh, but, you know, I thought the weird thing about this game that we haven't really seen is Geno Smith made a couple big mistakes. He's just sure been did. so good protecting the ball. And one reason that Seahawks offense has been so efficient is just because Geno Smith has been playing smart football and uh, he threw an interception in this game. He lost a fumble in the second half. Uh, obviously that, not. A, that was a handoff to Ken Walker. So I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's on both. Yeah. But the but, interception but, wasn't good, but, but that's a fumble that can't happen. Right. You know, no, absolutely. Week 12 of the NFL season. This is in practice three of training camp. Uh, so you just, you, you can't have those things happen. Uh, but Man, if the Raiders, we talked about if the Browns would have just flipped one or two games from earlier this year. Yep. I feel the same way about the Raiders. This team is good. I mean, I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender, but they certainly could have been a playoff contender if just one or two games. All right, Breach, I'll ask you the question I asked Princeton earlier. Next year, Derek Carr, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers all return. Who's the best team? Derek Carr. I think you're right. Brins is making a face. He wants to go all in. I'll, I'll still take the Packers. I know it. I know it. What you're, if Philip Rivers? You take the teams that have stunk for like generations, and I'm taking the like the Hall of Fame quarterback. Sure, it's fine. All right, make a note, Billy. I'm, the, I'm keeping the, receipts. I, I I think the Raiders are kind of positioned to maybe let everyone take a step back and take a breath on the Josh McDaniels stuff. You're four and seven. It's not great, but you lost a bunch of one score games. I feel like when Mark Davis came out and said, you're not getting fired, everyone's like, okay, let's move on to harass Nathaniel Hackett. So, yeah, yeah, that's kind of, um, that's exactly right. And so, I mean, I don't know that Mark Davis did this. Like, I don't think Mark Davis is playing 4D chess. No, he's eating chicken wings when he said he's it. He's eating P.F. Changs. But like, by coming out and saying that, he he just sort of probably like deflated the pressure around that team and, and they're playing maybe a little more looser. Uh, they've been in all these one score games. Four and seven. It's not a great season by any stretch, obviously. But if they close strong and win some games, I think I think everyone will take a little bit of a easier a turn on the Raiders this offseason. One last thing, uh, and no, I the just Seahawks it's a tough loss. The Seahawks going to win that game. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, the, again, if they had any semblance of a defense, they would have won. The, just to follow up, Derek Carr gets hurt, goes out of play. Jared Sutton comes in, comes in the next play, throws a touchdown to Amir Abdullah. That's when Amir Abdullah did the karate roundhouse kick and got flagged uh, for. Uh, Whatever, uh, not on this. What is it called? Uh, it was awesome. Like it was fan 
freaking task. He was right at a karate kid, and he almost kicked the defender in the head. It was so funny. Did the Seahawks take the penalty on the extra point, or did they put it on the kickoff? I don't know. I was too busy laughing at Amir Abdullah, thinking it was a great idea to try to roundhouse kick someone at a, on, at a football game after <laughs> scoring a touchdown. It's pretty good. All right. Yeah, anyway, yes. Commanders beat the Falcons. Commanders, as of right now, are the seventh seed in the NFC. Let's uh, let's talk Commanders and look at this NFC playoff picture. I'll be honest. I didn't watch a ton of this, um, but the one fun fact hey. I have is Taylor Heineke is 10 and four in his last 14 starts. I mean, Good gracious. It's, it is like a, it's, it's I've, I mean, I feel bad crapping on Carson Wentz. I, mean, I don't, but I mean, you know, it's like, yeah, pull Carson Wentz gets pulled out of the starting lineup and they put Heineke in and this team just sort of rallies around this guy because they, they don't have to deal with Heineke anymore. Um, I don't know. I don't know if they're good, but I don't think they're bad. They're exciting. And Heineke, he threw a terrible interception in the first half and then he came back and he made a bunch of throws and that seems to be <laughs> the blueprint. Can um can we not talk about this game and just talk about Brian Robinson's big hat? I, I can't. Yeah, stop let's, let's let's talk about it for a minute. And move on, because I mean, the Falcons, as Breach noted over Thanksgiving, the the Lions are probably a better team than the Falcons, and I think I stand by that. I don't know if Breach has changed his opinion based on the way they played today. Nineteen thirty in the final, by the way. Brian Robinson, one hundred five rushing yards. Uh, in the do you, do we have a big hat photo available, Billy? If you haven't seen this big hat. It is absolutely. Amazing. I don't. I don't. I can't. St- I mean, I don't. I don't care. I know that. Like, I'm. I like to think about weird tangents and stuff. I can't stop thinking about this big hat. I mean, it's it doesn't make sense. Right. It. Have you ever? Have you ever seen anybody else wearing a big hat? Um, Darth Helmet, Lord <laughs> Lord Helmet from Spaceballs. Like here it is. If you're watching on YouTube, zoom in on zoom that. In, zoom in on that, Billy. And he's asked about it. He said, my friend, so this guy was on Shark Tank who makes these big hats. And he's like, this is going to be the new style. It's it these is. big hats. And he's wearing that big hat to support his buddy. And I, I, I'm sure that more than more times than not, I am the one who is in the wrong. Well, actually, I mean, or it looks like he doesn't know what's cool when it comes to fashion. I think How right. I think Brian Robinson no longer looks cool when it comes to fashion. <laughs> is this what, what, okay? What are the five point five percent chance Aaron Rodgers comes back next year? What is the percentage? And by the way, if you can't, if you haven't, if you're listening to the podcast, go to um, Sam Fortier's uh, a Twitter account. It's it's got like hundred and fifty thousand likes. <laughs> what is the percent chance that these big hats become a thing? A hundred percent chance. They're awesome. I, I mean, you already said you want one. If I can get a pick six one, and a one, I'll wear it everywhere. Literally everywhere. A couple, a couple of um, sort of logistical things. Now it's great if it's raining because it's basically built an umbrella on your head. But when you get in the car, you got to take it off. Look, you can't get in the car. You're going to hit your head every time you get in the car. No, then you then you buy a convertible. It's a it's a lifestyle, Ryan. It's a lifestyle. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. wait. You so you buy a convertible to wear the big. <laughs> you have I to just, get a chin strap for it. I don't understand how anyone was like, you know what we need? We need big hats. Uh, I don't want to wanna... know if we can get Brenton sucks, big hats. Yeah. That I'm yes. Not yes. Yeah. <laughs> These hats are $75 a piece. You can make them fully customizable for 125. Now this is like, so um, I think apparently Brian Robinson was at Alabama with the guy who created the big hats daughter and they became friends. And so he's trying to help them out. He's, he's like, <laughs> like somebody was like, what's the inspiration for the big hat? He's like, 
it's my my friend's uh, friend's dad, and I'm trying to you know I'm trying to trying to support their their biz, and they're on Shark Tank. I don't know if they got any money, but here's the thing: I give Brian Robinson credit for helping his buddy out because th- this is the exposure that these this thing has gotten because we no one none of us knew about it. I went and looked at their Instagram page. They have people all over the world wearing these stupid hats at football games and stuff. Do they? I, I had no idea. Yeah, oh, yeah on their website, it's like somebody who's in Nashville wearing a Titans big a big hat. So okay, okay, okay. Hold on. I have a couple questions. One, uh, is this exactly like the puffy shirt situation from Seinfeld? No. Okay, in the sense that big hats are so you think big hats will become a thing? Big hats are a thing. They There's are an thing. NFL playing wearing one right now. Have in front you of ever seen a person in real life, uh, like like in your real life, not on Twitter? Yeah, there was a Titans one. No, you have not seen anyone wearing a big hat, have you? No, but that doesn't mean I mean Billy, you're 26 and you you're into you, you fashion yourself a, a fashion person. Might you run into someone who has one of these big stupid hats on? No, no, there's no, there's no way. Okay, would you but wear? I would wear a big hat. I want, I want Billy posing, getting getting photographs taken of him in a parking garage wearing an Eagles big hat. That's all right, all right. Let's, let's, I mean, like if we won the Super Bowl, I'd probably wear. There we go. There sure. I probably would wear it. You know, I probably would. Who cares? Um, <laughs> but I would not willingly wear that. Okay, but my second question is like, two. What is the functionality? Oh, there's no watch the Shark Tank. Like, what is what does the big hat do for you that it's an umbrella a hat wouldn't do? It's an umbrella in the fashion statement. It's not. There's no functionality. But he's not outside. It's not raining. Then it's a fashion statement. You have two choices. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I mean, it's just like back in the day when people wore big T-shirts and baggy jeans. <laughs> like, right. Is that where the, well, like, that, why do you have a, why do you, why do you have a beard? Like, what purpose does that serve, Brinson? Well, why do you have a beard? <laughs> well, I'm not the one questioning the big hat. That um, is true. You've been all in on the big hats from Jump Street Breach. I'll give you that. Okay, I don't I don't want to deal with shaving. How about that? I mean, that's that's a pretty easy answer. I, I didn't like I didn't like attach this beard to my face. I mean, like grew it. it. Right, right. But the big hat is not a natural part of the body, Breach. But I mean, to Billy's point, I mean, you have baggy shirts where you can wear shirts that fit. You have baggy jeans, you can wear jeans that fit. Now I guess you run out of things that are baggy, so you make your 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 uh your new hat the size of a, a friggin' pumpkin and you, you, you put it on your head. I mean, it's the crazy. Mere that we're, the mere fact that we're talking about it, it's going to become a thing now. That's the right? thing. Like, this is the, they could not have paid for more publicity than what they're getting for free. So Brian Robertson did his job. Should, should we do a podcast where we all wear big hats and, or start going HQ in big hats? Yes. There you go. All right, let's move on. We can't, we can't be talking like. about it. Is it like a, you like got to order one. I, I, I can't talk about this anymore. Okay. This is all I want to talk about. Obviously. I know. I know you're obsessed and it, it is incredibly weird. I granted, don't get me wrong. I just don't want to spend 10 more minutes on it right now. We well, I just more. do. I do want to say one thing about the scene. Cause we were talking about how the chargers didn't charger up their game yeah. and the NFC version of the chargers, clearly the Falcons who Falcon things up all the time. <laughs> and they totally falconed up this game. They got down to Washington's two yard line uh, with under a minute left. And if they score, you go up 2019, you probably win the game. And uh, Marcus Mariota gets taken down for a two-yard loss. Tip ball interception, game over. Yeah, we even buried the lead on that, the too. play calling, everything fell apart at that point. All right, Breach. Thanks for bringing us back. What's next? Uh, yeah, good job. NFC playoff picture really quickly. Philly still the one seed at 10-1. and one. Minnesota nipping on their heels at 9-2. and two. San Francisco 7-4. and four. The four seed, Tampa Bay 5-6. and six. 
And then the uh, the wild cards all currently NFC East teams. Dallas right behind Philly, uh, just two games. Giants in the sixth seed, and then Washington in the seventh seed. Right now, we would have Washington. Th- these are some something else. These these NFC playoff games of the season ended today. Washington at Minnesota. I feel like Taylor Heineke and crew could pull an upset there. Just think it's interesting to note. So you think Washington has a better chance of beating Minnesota than they do of beating Tampa Bay? No, I didn't say that. I just said that. I, of course, Washington beat Tampa Bay. I mean, I just think I think well, like so that two there. that two seven matchup is not like what's the line there? Minnesota minus five and a half or six. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, Giants at San Francisco. That is a truck stick coming. That that line is minus 14 and a half. Go yeah, it's, ahead. Like, it's like 12 and a half. It gets steamed to 14. That's right. And then Dallas at Tampa Bay, which is a pretty spicy matchup. <laughs> that line is, is plus five and a half. Oh, Dallas is favored by like two, probably at least. Um, which of these teams in the NFC that currently aren't in the, in their current um, spots that I'm about to mention here, which team is most likely to finish in first and which team is most likely to finish outside of the top seven? Um. Well, I mean, it has to be Tampa Bay, right? No, I'm asking you. It's your it's your choice. Uh, Tampa my- Bay, by the way, minus four thirty to win the division. Falcons seven to one. Saints ten to one. Panthers eighteen to one. Weird. Well, I mean, you look at the NFC East has all four teams in right now. I do not think all four of their teams are going to make. You got to give me names, Breach. One to what well, teams? Give you a division. Likely to finish. I think the loser, the loser of Giants Commanders this week is gone. They're done. Giants Commanders. Okay, and which team is over that? Over that, the loser of that team. And which although they they play each other, the Commanders play the Giants two games in a row. They play the Giants and they have a bye, and they play the Giants again. Well, that's just that's just those two teams' season right there. And which team is going to finish first? That's currently not in first. That's not the Philadelphia. Oh, um, I would say. I I guess the answer is a. I'll say Dallas, but I think the answer is Jeez. probably an, an, an NFC uh, South team. Uh, the 49ers are going to finish first if, if the Eagles don't, and the Giants are falling out. Ooh. Oh, you mean who's going to be first? The one, Sorry, I, I misunderstood that. Who's going to be? Yeah. You, you did a terrible job asking the question. Well, you, you kept what? interrupting. And was talking who's going to be the one that. seed who can steal the one seed from Philly? That's what you're saying. There you go. Oh. San Francisco's a good answer. I know. That's why I worded it so Vaguely, so you wouldn't know what I was saying. Can any of so Seattle can definitely make the playoffs at six and five? I am definitely sounds strong. I mean, they're just the way they're playing, not their record. Yeah, Atlanta five and seven, Detroit four and seven, yes, four and eight. There, I mean, Giants are falling out, Lions are coming in. You heard it here first. God, that'd be fun. Yeah, I want to, I need the Lions. Don't scoff. Breach. All right, let's do some quick hitters. The 49ers shut out the Saints. Please. I mean, I have zero to say about this game other than when can we see Jameis Winston again, Breach? Never. <laughs> Never. He didn't play bad. Andy Dalton didn't. But, I mean, what do you have to – who cares at this point? 49ers defense is just rolling, man. Yeah, and the Saints stink. It's a whole thing. Great for, uh, for 49ers. It is improbable. Have you ever seen a team get shut out and they didn't punt a single time in the second half. <laughs> no. Well, you talked I about the way the Falcons. It's the pre-Drew Brees era. You talk well, about I'm the just way... saying that's how weird this game was. You talk about the way the Falcons lost. I mean, the same thing happened with the Saints with with uh, 
Alvin Kamara down there at the the one inch line. They got inside the 49ers six yard line twice and came away with zero points. Is that good? I don't think so. Okay. All right. So CBG, by the way, took a uh, helmet to the kneecap in, late in this game. It was like, oh man. Cause you know, everyone's so hyped. I mean, it, it, he, he was, he got up and it was fine after that, but it like, you know, if it, if, if it had gone the wrong way, yeah, it's, it's no matter how quickly, like this team that we, everyone's getting hyped up for the 49ers could, you know, Jimmy G gets hurt and it's, it's cool. Imagine that, that that's where we're at in the conversation. Like no Jimmy G in the, <laughs> the season's over. It was supposed to be no Jimmy G the whole entirety of the season. Uh, it's just probably, uh, Chiefs rolled the Rams. Yeah. I mean, I actually watched all this game because I had a Patrick Mahomes stack. It was it was the Fox game of the week, and then Stafford ended up playing. Um, uh, Mr. Perkins, 13 to 23, 100 yards, one touchdown, two picks. Here, hold on. Before you keep going, how many passing yards did Bryce Perkins have in the first half? Uh, I would say like four. Breach, do you want to guess? I guessed four, and then Brinson spoke over me. You stole my guess, Brinson. Oh, you both went over. You both went over the uh, showcase showdown. It's three. Oh, I was gonna guess two. <laughs> Here's the only stat you need to know about this game: the Chiefs at no point were in any concern whatsoever about the Rams winning this game. They went one and six in the red zone. They didn't care, and they still won by sixteen points. Yeah, I mean, if and they if, if they go four or six in the red zone, this is the biggest blowout of the of the week. And it's crazy to think that before Sunday, the last time these two teams played, it was the 54-51 game. And now it's only been four years, and we're at this point where the Rams are trash this year and the Chiefs slept walk to this game. Do you remember do you remember waking up and reading like all the like articles about the game? It's like the football has been changed forever. Mm-hmm. And then like the, the Super Bowl is like 13 to 3 or whatever. Is that it or is there something else? What? Another game? We got two more games. What else we got? Dolphins. Oh, yeah. Steamroll the Texans. They're up yes. 30 to nothing at halftime. They actually didn't score a single point in the second half. And with two minutes to go, I also had Tua stacks. Thanks a lot. With two minutes to go in the third quarter, they pulled Tua. Uh, Jeff Wilson had been banged up. Teron Armstead had suffered a strained peck. Basically, Mike McDaniel was too worried Tua might get hurt. He had almost suffered a really bad injury right before halftime, uh, but was able to walk off. And so they pulled all their players, and the Texans put together like, some weird drives. The Dolphins did nothing with Skylar Thompson in there. And uh, Houston managed to get to within 30 to 15 with the ball, the chance to score Dolphins defense had a touchdown too. It, it was, it was a real false hope run by a one nine one Texans team. That is truly pathetic. And I, like, I mean, the, the Texans are much, much worse than they were last year under David Culley. You talk about Jimmy G being the key to success in San Francisco. I thought this should have gotten two out as soon as he got split in half late in the second quarter there. He stayed in for a little while longer. It was like, he was, it was like the final it was like the final drive of the second quarter, I think. Yep. Um he was in there in the in the middle of the third quarter taking hits as well, getting sacked. So I, I mean, I, I get it, but at some point if he gets hurt, that's a wrap. Breach, since coming back from concussion protocol, which has been five games, what is Tua's record? Uh undefeated. Five and oh, baby. Five and oh, eleven touchdowns. Zero interceptions. Tua has all right. Jalen Hurts, Tua Tagovailoa, and Josh Allen. Connect these MVP odds. Four to one, five to one, ten to one. I'm guessing two is ten to one. 
Tua is five to one, and Josh Allen is ten to one. Holy Moses! Yeah, Hurts is four to one. By the way, those those four wins uh, are five wins. If none of the teams he's beaten have over four wins. Here's another fun fact breach: both the Dolphins and the Bills are eight and three. The Bills are zero and two in the division. That's trouble for Buffalo. Sure is. All right. Dolphins look good. The Panthers road. What do they ride to a win over the Broncos, Wilson? Do you know? The Sam D train. <laughs> Sam's <laughs> team. By the way, here's what I here's what I wrote after uh Darnold carved up the that sorry excuse of, of a Broncos team. Defense is actually good. The the offense. Don't fall for Sam Darnold. <laughs> like he looked great out there at, Wait, at, you write this? at moments. I, I make notes during the game because I uh, podcast uh, sorry, like write this. I was like, what? No. Um, but uh, he looked good, man. He had a great uh, touch pass uh, late in the first quarter to DJ Moore. Um, it looked like USC. Sam, the bigger takeaway for me wasn't the Panthers because, I, I mean, I, they are the Panthers. They're sort of fun because they don't have anything to lose. But Broncos are absolutely like, – the Broncos are so bad. So the my Broncos pers- had two competent possessions in the first half, and they ended with a lost fumble inside Carolina's 25 and a missed field goal. So even their competent – because, you know, this offense doesn't do very good very often. And even then, they're still shooting themselves. In the How is Russell Wilson this bad? No, Hold on. Before we get into that, the Broncos are averaging 14.2 points per game this season. Second worst in franchise history through 11 games. You have to go back to 1966. So to Russell Wilson, I don't know, but you can't cut him. So guess who's getting fired? Correct. The question is I, was, I was asked about that on the, um, on the Panthers pregame show. Uh, with, with my buddy Jim Zoki and he's like, I was like, look, you know, here, the deal is like Russ, the ownership is going to look at this and say, this is a Nathaniel Hackett problem. We'll hire somebody who will come over here and work with Russ. And I think that just because of Russell Wilson's stature, despite this year, that it will be, in, it will be an attractive job. The Broncos is still an attractive job, right? Breach, do you think that's a, an attractive job? Yeah. I don't know, man. They have, they have a top three defense in the NFL. If they had any talent at quarterback or offense, Look, they the would quarterback can't move offense. though. If like it, all right, the Panthers just beat the like this game wasn't close at all. I mean, the Panthers dominated this game, twenty three ten final score. If would you rather take the Panthers' job or the Broncos' job? Panthers. And let me just you can make that face. I mean, you, you watched the game. You've seen Russ Wilson all season. I, mean, I would take the Panthers. So I wouldn't have to move very far, but I mean. But here's the other thing. There's a reason. Like, we were we were making fun of Pete Carroll until September and that season opener against yeah, we were Seattle. Wrong. We were wrong. So why all of a sudden is this an attractive job when you know that Russ Wilson allegedly is probably a pain in the ass to work with? No matter how good the defense is, you still got to go in the meeting rooms and hear him. You see, Mike, you see Mike Purcell talking to him on the sidelines? Yeah, he got yelled at by his defense. He's a pain to work with. He's not good right now. He, you're stuck with him for the next three years. He demands, like, he won't read off the wristband, and he demands... No, I think Frank right to Carolina is a possibility. He doesn't want that headache, dude. Carolina's this this is Sam. By the way, do you see the Sam Donald uh, fire drill touchdown? I just saw the the, the touch pass to Jay Moore and see the other one. So so he uh, they did a read option play and he he takes the ball and he's running in and he starts to get tackled and he as, he as he's getting tackled he falls he drops the ball he recovers the ball and then he does oh yeah he does yeah. like three or four rolls into the end zone because he was untouched it was it that was, was like awesome. stop dropping roll it was amazing um dj Moore playing pretty well as of late the, the panthers the panthers I, I mean 
Oh gosh, here we go. Panthers could win. I mean, Panthers could win the division. Oh um, no! Yeah, wait a second. You two, you two guys are just talking up Tom Brady. Make up your minds. All all four teams are under five hundred. Anything is fair game in this division, man. No, that's fair. I won't argue with that part of it. Uh, let me ask you this. So my um, real quick, should should uh, David Tepper give Steve Wilkes the job next year? Uh, uh, yes, I'll stand by what I said when he got the job. Though he could go undefeated, and he ain't getting the job. <laughs> well, so Matt, Matt Rule got hired by Nebraska over the weekend, and it Sa- was, saved him some money. Well, it was reported, yeah, but that's a huge deal, though. Like, I mean, not yeah, no, I Tepper who's rich, but like it was reported that most, like, essentially thirty-four million, the majority of thirty-four million dollars, could be offset by the Nebraska job because you got eight years, seventy-two million from the Cornhuskers, which sure, yeah, um, you do you. That, but that allows Tepper to be a little more aggressive with. Going out and trying to you know, give somebody a ton of money. He doesn't care. I mean, you don't want to be spending $70 million on two coaches, one who doesn't work for you. All right. Well, we'll see. I mean, I don't know. Do we I need would... some losers for Breach's newsletter? Winners and losers. All right. Okay. Uh, I'll, uh, sorry. I will say that a winner is Maquat. Uh, you 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 blew it. It's Trevor Lawrence, dummy. That's my oh, winner. Right. Right, right, I'll take I'll take Trevor Lawrence as a winner, and then somebody else can take Zach Wilson as a loser. No, you're not trading I Trevor, Trevor Lawrence. Wilson. Zach Wilson. Trevor Lawrence is my winner. You hate that guy. You want him benched. Trevor Lawrence is my winner. All right, Breach. I'll say Jacoby sets a winner because this is last his farewell game, even though he should continue to start. But he's right. losing his job to. But he went out with a bang. He beat Tom Brady in overtime. Tom Brady is 14 and 3 at 13 and 4 in overtime before that game. Ooh, that's true. My winner is Jay Twice, double J, Josh Jacobs Jay in a twice. contract year, leading the NFL in rushing. He's going to get paid and he's going to buy a bunch of big hats. That's what he's getting. He's going to buy a bunch of big hats with that money. Oh, my loser. It's uh, a two for one breach Cliff Ooh. Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, the weekly. Losers on this. We podcast. literally had them like every other week. <laughs> My loser, Zach Wilson. Mike White goes out and lights up the Bears while you're done. Mm. And like a little, they and they, there's a graphic they showed during the during the Fox broadcast where it's like second half production by the Jets last week is like 2.6 inches per play. Is that good? It's not I don't good. think that's good. Oh, another winner, Rick Spielman, because he gets to be on a podcast with me going forward. Ooh, that's yes. my winner with the next pick. Uh, my loser is Lamar Jackson. My, my loser is Rick Spielman. <laughs> yeah, for real. For losing the game and then going on Twitter and berating someone. Yeah, that was not a good look by Lamar Jackson. My loser, me. I got the name of the podcast wrong. With the first pick, not with the next pick. Oh, oh, that's a shame. With the next pick is better. And then my <laughs> podcast could be called With the First Kick. There you go. Better oh, call ball. Perfect. All right, let's go. All, together. All right, that'll do it for us. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Make sure to go subscribe to With the First Pick on your podcast platform. You can watch it on our YouTube channel as well. Uh, for Buddy Nick Richardson, for Ryan Wilson, I'm Brinson. We'll see you guys later.